0: all right coast to coast combat hour uh the one after ufc 234 ed carbo here with matt Haw- hawkins as always and once again we're joined by nolan king what's up fellas how'd you like the fights this weekend
1: it was all right. <laughs> we had some surprises <laughs> with the uh, main event getting canceled 6 hours prior to uh the show tipping off, but uh you know, it turned out to be a fairly entertaining night of action.
2: I yeah. you know, what would you think? Pretty pretty much the same thing. I mean, uh, you know, on paper the card going into the weekend wasn't one that necessarily stuck out to me as being uh, you know, must see TV for casuals or, you know, must uh I don't know. My interest wasn't necessarily there, but I feel yeah. like after the final product, uh, I'm pretty happy with it. I think it was it was a good value card in terms of I had no expectations, and I, uh, you know, obviously they were exceeded because of that. What was uh,
0: uh reactions off of the Whitaker news? Obviously, it came for me. It came on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I actually had just gotten out of training and, and showed up at my parents' house, and one of my training partners was the one that alerted me to the news um obviously i was in shock because it's the day of shock but not surprised but uh I well how'd you guys find out
1: i heard from a relative uh, one of my <laughs> normal messages fight day just you know everybody who follows the sport and, and especially is involved in going to go into fights and stuff you're always checking the the early morning news because unfortunately it's become a uh, pretty commonplace to have something go wrong you always just hope it's not the the big main event title fight you know if uh the opening prelim gets canceled, then it doesn't really uh, ruin your night. But uh, when you see a championship fight that we've been looking forward to for, shoot, it seems like six, eight months now coming off of the Ultimate Fighter, uh, definitely made it disappointing.
2: Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, to, to lose a fight literally on the day that the fight is supposed to happen is one of those uh, just absolute daggers. I mean, you know, if this was a week out or if this was 10 days out, you could at least try to to you know convince yourself that the UFC is going to scramble and find a replacement even if it's a fight that doesn't necessarily make sense you know you're you're looking for you're looking to to have a uh you know you feel wronged when when a fighter falls out like that or a fight even though you know it's obviously not the fighter's fault or anything but uh, at least when you you get a little bit of notice you can think uh maybe they'll do something to right the wrong but uh apparently they couldn't get get anybody you know uh or excuse me it was the day of the fight so they obviously yeah. couldn't get anybody in uh yeah, it was it was disappointing, man. I, I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw it, and uh, yeah, that was that was disappointing disappointing to see.
0: So the new main event, uh, me and Matt kind of were, were going at it a little bit afterwards. Uh, the main event uh, with Adesanya and Silva. I mean, I loved the fight; I thought it was great. I know I don't know if Matt, you've changed your mind since we spoke on Saturday, but I mean, uh, Matt kind of disagreed with me, uh, but they did get the fight of the night award, so. Um, I don't know. What? Why did you? Why did you uh, come? Why did you come at me like that, Matt?
1: <laughs> oh no, I just I saw on Twitter you were really praising the fight, and I didn't I didn't see it that way. Um, first thing obviously I need to say is I'm a huge fan of both these fighters, and I think that might skew my opinion a little bit as far as Silva goes because you know I want to see the old Anderson Silva. I want to see the old Fedor fight. I want to see the old guy. And obviously, to me, he didn't look terrible, but to me came across as a sparring match. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't feel like Silva in his mind thought he could a win the fight or B didn't really care if he won the fight. It was more about just surviving. And mm. I, I, I don't, I don't uh, hate on him necessarily for that. It's just not what I want to see. I, I, I would rather have him go out there and get knocked out. And I know that's not, his opinion he wants to have his brain cells and and everything but for me dancing around it's just to me that's what anderson silva's become over the last five or six years um i mean he hasn't really he won the diaz fight but that was another fight that was kind of similar to this where it wasn't a lot of action it's a lot of showboating um you know it's video game moves but those video game moves usually don't work as thrown as a single video game move Usually there's a combination. I just saw a lot of single strikes being thrown. Um, it, it fell into the kind of the Pat Berry crow cop issue where you just had two guys who really respected each other. And, and I mentioned it the week before uh, about us at if he was going to lose this fight, I thought maybe it would be him kind of being starstruck and not really going for the kill. And in a sense, that's kind of what he did. He did end up uh, winning the, the fight uh, by unanimous decision, but you know, he left the door open for Silva. Um, I know one judge gave Silva the second round. Um, and, and the general perspective from the fans I picked up was that most thought it was really close to being basically one, one going into the third. And then the third round, Silva kind of lost me where he really didn't do a whole lot. I, and I just, I feel like, uh, I feel like Adesanya didn't want to go for the kill because he felt like he was fighting the legend. And I I felt like Silva's just kind of mailed it in as far as um, being a successful fighter, as far as wins and losses, and is more about just now making a paycheck and creating some some highlight, you know, reels. But I just I don't know. It just didn't feel like a real fight to me. And throughout the history of MMA, we've had situations kind of where this has unfolded and it just kind of fell into that category. It was a fight. I mean, I was I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. It wasn't so. I was a fight, you know, because I kept waiting for that. You know, are we gonna? Is, is somebody gonna really go for it? Is somebody gonna go for the kill? And I just felt like they both held it back, and it was kind of more of a of a like a like a capoeira match almost, where you know where it was just flashy stuff, but. But nobody really going for the devastating finish. And that's where I kind of found it disappointing. I mean, I felt like going in at Asanya was going to KO him and it was going to be violent and bad. And for Silva, obviously, like I said, this is a better finish for him, but just not as a fight fan, it wasn't wasn't what I wanted to see uh, 100%. Hey,
0: Nolan, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm so that's not really like um, disparaging the fight. I guess that. But that's I guess that's why you didn't see it as fight of the night worthy. But uh, I mean, I I, don't, I I didn't I didn't mention this to Nolan yet, so I'm just wondering his take of of because uh, uh, we kind of had contrast. Matt and I had kind of contrasting. We went back and forth on Twitter messages about it. So what did you think uh, when you saw the fight?
2: Well, Matt, you're a smart man, but I'm gonna have to agree with Ed here. I think <laughs> uh, you know I I really enjoyed this fight. I thought you know actually a lot of the points that Matt brought up I I. Completely agree with. Um, But I was just captivated by it. I don't know if I was suckered in where, you know, it it did have this capoeira style that we don't usually see in fights. I mean, uh, you know, these are two guys that that not only are very good, you know, flashy offensive strikers, but they're guys that, uh, you know, implement their head movement very well and are able. I I feel like it played off of one another very well uh, in that fight. Uh, you know, there, there were a couple other good fights on the card. Uh, I felt like at the end of the night, this fight entertained me the most, uh, even, even taken away from the, the name recognition. I just, I was like entranced by it. I don't know why, because I, I agree with Matt. There was some times that there, there wasn't a lot of action going on. Uh, you know, Anderson Silva didn't really do much in the third round. It was, I never necessarily felt like Israel was in any type of danger. Uh, I thought that the, 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 momentum started to shift in that second round towards Silva, where, I started, uh, you know, anticipating a potential upset. That was mm-hmm. somewhat exciting to experience during the fight. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that a lot of the things Matt brought up are t- is totally accurate. Um, in terms of the fight, look, reflecting on the fight as a whole, uh, you know, I, I I will disagree with Matt on one point. I, I think that you know, in, in terms of Anderson, I really didn't have much interest outside of nostalgia to really see him fight again. I felt like even in the the fights that, uh, you know, the the Nick Diaz fight. Uh, that, you know, the Bisping fight to a certain extent, the DC fight, the Brunson fight, I felt like even even the ones that he won, that it was just progressively getting worse every time. It was just like, oh, like, he kind of looks old, he looks out of shape. Like, I don't know, you know, they, they're throwing him against guys that are in the top, you know, 10 to 15 range, or, uh, you know, Nick Diaz, who's not even in the rankings, and he's not looking particularly great. I just was kind of, uh, you know, you know, waiting for for Israel to just Kill him at the beginning of that fight. Uh, you know, yeah. Anderson not having fought for uh, you know over over almost I think it was like two years or something, right? Um, so yeah. I think Anderson's stock rose a little bit in my book. I mean, for him to come in uh, and I'm again, maybe this is just because I had such low expectations of what he was capable of now, but I feel like I could. I, there are fights out there that I would be interested in seeing him fight, not just because he's Anderson Silva, but because I feel like you know he could still compete. Uh, in the top 10 in this division. So I was entertained by it. I could totally understand why, you know, Matt I think has some fair criticisms of the whole thing. Um, but overall, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty entertaining bout.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, I was just as somebody like, I mean, you, you can, you can read the guys and they were reading each other so well, Um, you know, the way that they fought the way it's, it's just, it's, it's almost like when I was thinking about it today and thinking about what we were going to talk about, mentioning it tonight I don't know if you, did you guys ever play and, and uh, if James Lynch watches this he'll get a kick out of out of my analogy but did you guys ever play the original Tomb Raider?
1: The PlayStation <laughs> one?
0: Yeah. There's, the
1: uh long long time ago. <laughs>
0: did you finish? Did you finish it? Did you go no, through it like no. So towards the end of the game there's a level where uh uh Lara Croft like you have she she you have to beat a mirror image of yourself. So if you're controlling Lara Croft And um, to do it, you can't really. You have to do things, but you have to. You can't just run through it. You have to pace yourself, whatever. And to me, that's the first round. That's what I saw. I mean, you can see there's there's moments where uh, Adesanya switches his hips. To you could tell he wants to throw a kick, but he also sees that Silva reads it. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, and Silva's granted he's the more experienced, so so he caught things sooner. I don't know if you saw any of any Adesanya's post-fight interviews, but he actually said as much as he studied him and expected some things, the shots that he got hit with, he even though he knew they were coming, uh, Silva was still fast enough to catch him with the ones that, that landed, that he was caught, especially there was a, a, a double jab in the second The second round that he brought it up, too, was the one where he was the most threatened. And when he went on the retreat, he knew that knee was coming, which is why he just left, so he ran so far away, um, because that was the only way to avoid it. So, um, I don't know. Was, to me, it was just like to, he actually said it was two high-level strikers when he talked to Luke Thomas. Two high-level strikers, um, and I mean that's pretty much what you're gonna see when you when you see some two guys that know that know the angles and stuff that they work the way that they do, especially counter strikers like them. So, I don't know. For me, it was great. I, after the first round, when the first round buzzed, I was impressed and I was I was all in and 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 happy that I was watching the pay per view in Buffalo Wild Wings. By myself like a like a bird <laughs> but, but, yeah i uh... mean I,
1: I feel like a, a, a five-round fight would have been maybe open the door for something a little bit you know maybe they would have worked each other out a little bit who knows if another 10 minutes would have would have ended in a finish for either one of them or at least some real back and forth
2: yeah. you know
1: uh you know little Brawling situations and I know it's technical Fights so I don't mean brawl in that sense but um, yeah. You know where they would kind of be some real quick Back and forth some strong counters and stuff I don't know and, and then perhaps I also fell A little bit into it being a number one contender fight Which was really kind of a joke out the gate Um yeah It's a so, little weird yeah so for me You know I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Israel as Kind of the next big thing and maybe I fell a, I mean I think he's I think he still could Be that but for me he kind of As Nolan said Anderson Silva's. Um Kind of went up a little bit because he survived and hung with one of the young kids. Yeah. Um, but Israel kind of, to me, didn't really gain a whole lot of ground. To me, if he's going to be the champion in that division, that's a fight you need to go through and kind of leave no doubt. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that might have been a little bit of frustration for me too.
0: Yeah, but I mean, again, it's it's a former champion and somebody that's very that's that really that's fought a long time and has a lot of experience. So you know, like 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 I don't a, a decision win. After he didn't finish him in the first round, if he was going to win, a decision win was was what I thought it was going to be. I mean, especially after like like Nolan said, you kind of forget, you f- you forgot about what Silva was capable of, and and yeah, his stock raised a little bit. I wouldn't mind seeing like him and Weidman again, part three. I think that's worth doing. You know, some something like that. Um, even even I know he said he wanted the Nick Diaz fight. I mean, obviously that that just that's just uh something to grab eyeballs. But I mean, also at forty three, you know, you don't want to see him get uh knocked out of his body too. You know what I mean? Like that you don't want to see a 43 year old man get knocked out. As a 43 year old man, I don't want to see that. So
1: so Yeah, it's, the it's... the Silva fight that I want to see is a fight I've wanted to see for about a decade now. And I want to see him fight Shogun. Yeah. I uh I think that's the that would be a pretty cool fight, maybe one to do in Brazil and, and maybe and maybe it'll be a fight or two down the line and it becomes kind of a retirement fight for almost either one of them. But um yeah. you know the Weidman fight I just I'd watch it but you know, to me, Chris pretty much handled his business in those two fights, and yeah. I don't really, uh, I don't know if I give Anderson the, I don't know if he gives he necessarily deserves a chance to get that that fight back in my yeah. mind. So, I don't know, but um, that was the main event. Uh, you know, we're not gonna go through the whole card. We have a lot to talk about, but um,
0: yeah, me and Nolan got a lot of heavy heavy East Coast MMA weekend with a, uh, what is it? It's Friday Saturday, yeah. Bellator two fifteen two sixteen. Yep. So back to back
2: Krispy Kremes. <laughs> so oh got, yeah yeah so uh, i'd get that reference in early just slip it i thought i'd beat ed to the punch i actually
1: there. forgot yeah no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so you guys have uh you have bellator 215 on friday night 216 on saturday night and then i'll be in phoenix uh for the espn one or the the big espn debut uh with Cain velasquez and and uh francisco nagano but um getting back to, to friday night's action um it's kind of the warm-up card for the, the yeah. big one on Saturday. Uh, but you really got a big heavyweight showdown with Matt Mitrione trying to bounce back from being just destroyed by uh, by the heavyweight champ now, Ryan Bader. And he fights Sergey Karitanov coming off a huge KO of uh, Big Country Roy Nelson. Uh, kind of an old-school fight that, you know, Mitrione's not necessarily an old-school fighter, but this is kind of whenever, whenever Karitanov's involved fighting a UFC fighter, um kind of, kind of is another one of those fights everybody kind of talked about wanting to see over the years. So, I don't know how do you see that, Ed? That's a some heavy leather there.
0: Yeah, I mean it is. It's really heavy leather. So, um the thing is, I mean, I, I feel like, well, so I that's a hard one to call for me. I think uh I want to say Matt Mitrione's uh length and and activity is probably uh an advantage for him, but I know like you said carrot character- karatanov probably can probably put him away uh you know pretty easily and and i think he's got an edge in the grappling department i don't know man that's why i like that's why i like the card i'm, I'm gonna say mitrion just because of his reach and i know he packs a, a really heavy punch what
2: do you yeah, think I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna agree with ed i'm gonna agree with that on this one i think Mitrion's gonna take it i mean karatanov's looked good in his last uh, couple of fights i mean i thought he looked Turned back the clock against Roy Nelson, really. I thought he looked spectacular in that fight. Uh, I know Roy's not necessarily what he used to be, but still, I, I was expecting Roy to, to win that fight, just being as durable as he is. But Karitanov, his striking looked on point. He pieced him up and got the finish. So clearly on a ro- roll. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been six fights now since his last loss. Um, I think that he has this late career surge going on that we see in some heavyweights for some odd reason. Uh, with that being said, this is the heavyweight division and every momentum seems to, to end fairly quickly at, a, you know, with a screeching halt at times. And I think that uh, that's what we're going to see here. I think Mitrion just, you know, younger in the sport. I guess he's technically two years older than Karatanov. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think the wear and tear that, that Mitrion has is, is lesser. Um, we still, you know, we've seen him get submitted a couple of times. Travis Brown busted him up. You know, cut his eye with that when the, when he got that hematoma. But other than that, he's been a tough guy to finish. And I, I think that if Karatanov wants to beat him, he'll probably have to get that finish. And I just don't see it happening. I think, uh, if you know, for if we're betting on chins here, I think Mitrion's chin is is a little bit better, and I yeah. expect him to finish Karatanov. I'll say in the I'll say in the second round.
1: Yeah, um, you talk about you know six fights since the Ayala fight, which was a sixteen second KO loss to Javier Ayala. Yeah um at bellator 163 uh that's his only loss since 2012 so we're looking at a guy who's who's six plus years almost seven years now of uh with basically only one loss and the loss being kind of a a a quick just you know not really a fight just a huge punch that that ended it before the fight really started um for me with karatanov historically it's always been about how much he's into the fights uh what kind of shape he's in uh, where he's at mentally, um, if you if you know if you're like me and you kind of search out the streams to watch some of his Russian fights over the years, uh, I know like his fight with Joey Beltran. He did win the fight, but he came in extremely heavy. Mm-hmm. He's had he's had fights where he's really looked you know closer to 300 pounds than than probably the 245, 250 that he should be. Um, so that that's going to come down to probably seeing the weigh-ins. Obviously, he's not a big public figure, so we don't necessarily know how how the training's going per se. But uh, to me, if he comes in healthy and he comes in with any kind of game plan, especially seeing the, how, how straight up terrible Mitrion was on the ground with Ryan Bader. Uh, I think that, uh, Karatanov can, can really put a game plan together. Um, if he wants to and take, take the fight down to the ground. And I think from there, Karatanov eats him alive. Um, with that said, again, it comes down to how he's in shape. Uh, I agree with Nolan. If we're fighting, uh, or if we're, if we're having a battle of chins, I'm going with Mitrion. Uh, uh, had some wars and, and, and worn it a few times. So I'm going to pick Karatanov. off. Um, but again, I kind of see it as a coin flip. I just feel like he's the heavier puncher. So if I, I, if it comes down to who hits who first, uh, I think karatanov wins. And, uh, I'm going to hope that he comes in with some kind of game plan other than just being in a firefight. And if that's the case, I think he's just the better overall fighter. So, and Fedor lost. And I need a rush in to win. So, <laughs>
0: wow, that, that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's, that's a weird thing to need, but well, uh...
1: <laughs> I, I you know, I'm a fan of Russian MMA fighters going back to Igor Vovchanchyn and yeah. that's that's the and Oleg Tiktarov. That's the lineage of fighters that I've uh, always been a fan of. And hey, Karatana falls in that that
0: line. That's true. He is from that era too. Um, hey Nolan, what was I saw you put something up on Twitter just like an hour or so before we came on. Um, is it if is it one of these cards that it affects with the mismatch that you were you had tweeted about? Oh you? yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, Stephen Mowry, who's one of uh, Bellator's top heavyweight prospects, the big tall guy, 6'8", or whatever, um, he was supposed to, I guess, his fight was added at the last second to to Bellator 215 on Friday. Um, He had posted something about fighting for Bellator maybe like three weeks ago, one of their promotional posters with his picture on it, Uh, but we didn't know who his opponent was going to be, so beginning of this week, it came out that he was going to fight the, the ring of combat champion Ahmed Hefni, who's one and one in his pro career. Uh, you know, he's fought two semi reputable guys and one, he finished pretty quickly. And the other one he lost by decision. So I wasn't too thrilled with that matchmaking. I mean, being a ring of combat champion, that's, that's a solid uh, accolade to have, even though yeah. this guy's only one and one. So I would tolerate it, but I guess uh, push came to shove and, and Hefni uh, fell out and, Bellator was either looking for an opponent for, for Maori or a replacement to fight him or somebody to fight Tyrell fortune. Who's on the uh, Saturday night card. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure which one, but I know Tony Lopez, uh, Bellator had signed him to fight what he, what he said on his Facebook, a five and zero heavyweight. Uh, and they told him that they weren't going to allow him to fight because he had too many more. He had so many more fights than his opponent. And for me, I think that's an issue here because you got to look at skill levels and context in this whole thing. I mean, Tony Lopez is forty-five years old. Like, I'm not kidding. He's actually forty-five.
0: Oh, damn!
2: Yeah, and he is sixty and thirty. So, I don't think you're ever going to find somebody that has that. You'd be you'd be very uh, very seldom would you find somebody that has the amount of fights that Tony Lopez has. So, that's the first issue I had. The second issue I had is the fact that if you. Po- Post, you know, took experts of MMA, you know, people that watch Bellator intensely, the regional scene, and you said set a betting line for Tony Lopez versus Steve Maori. I don't think that Tony hmm. Lopez would be the favorite. So yeah. for them to say they're not gonna they're not gonna sanction this fight on Maori's behalf because it's not safe for him to fight somebody that's so experienced or fortune, whichever heavyweight it was, uh, I just think you got to look at the context here a little bit, you know? So instead they're signing Maori's gonna face a, a guy that is Owen Owen pro career who has a solid you know resume in terms of his amateur record I think he's like ten and one or something. Mm-hmm. We're into his level of opponents haven't been particularly great even on the amateur scene. Um, so they're going to do that instead, and I just feel like that that's I think Stephen Mowry would be is, is going to be a huge favorite in that fight. Whereas if he fought Tony Lopez, I think it would be much closer of a fight on uh, you know in terms of the odds makers. So yeah. you know I, I just don't see that that. This doesn't make any sense to me. I feel like that that's kind of counterproductive. Now we're going to see some guy get, you know, murdered by Stephen Mowry or, or Tyrell Fortune instead of, uh, you know, having a competitive fo- test for Maori or Fortune to, you know, face a guy who's fought on every single regional scene you can imagine, you know, from M1 to Alaska FC to, to uh, you know, I forget which some of the other ones fought, Combate Americas, like way back um, I don't know. I just I just thought that that was kind of a, you know, for for commission like the Mohegan Sun tribe, who always, you know, they're the ones that are supposed to be, uh, you know, that the high standard of commissions. I just felt like that was they, they dropped the ball. You know, I know it's not a huge fight and probably to a lot of people, it doesn't make a big difference. But to me, I just I don't understand the reasoning behind a move like that.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, for those that really don't know, Tony Lopez is kind of the king of the regional scene. Um, I've seen him fight live probably five or six times. He, he was King of the cage, two or three division champion. Uh, they're, they're light heavyweight, they're heavyweight. I think even their open weight champion at one point gladiator challenge, uh, last year alone, he won like four belts in a month period between Alaska, uh, uh, brave FC, and then a couple other ones. So he, I mean, the guy he's competitive as hell. I, I think it's stupid that the reasoning they gave, if, uh, if I'm the commission, I'm using my brain, and if I want to get, uh, if I if I don't want to sanction that fight, I'm not going to use the the amount of fights as a thing. I would simply say Tony Lopez fought a bare knuckle boxing match with Joey Beltran two weeks ago, and we're not going to sanction him to fight um, right. a five a five round bare knuckle fight. So you had an easy out if you're a commission that knows anything about the fighters you're trying to to license or not license. So you could have you could have easily swept that under the rug. Um, the fight thing is is really weird. Like you said, uh, Maori would have been likely still probably would have been a, a minus 300 favorite. I'm thinking sure. at the bare minimum, maybe a five right. or 600. Um, but, but Lopez would have definitely not, not folded. Um, and it just, I don't know if you know, Ed, but uh, Tony Lopez actually filed the fight at UFC four and art Davy kicks mm-hmm. himself to this day, actually for, mm-hmm. uh, for not allowing him in just because, you know, he's turned out to be a, a guy who's, who's really been pretty competitive over the last 20, 20 plus years now. But, Jesus. um, yeah. So he's been around <laughs> forever. Uh, but, it, you know, and the the fight thing is, I guess, established then what the amount of fights that somebody can fight is. I mean, I know it's not the same, but how many p- fights has Paul Daly had? If we're counting boxing, kickboxing and MMA, Paul Daly's up in the in the 70s, probably, too. I think MMA alone, he's probably close to 50 at this point. Mm. Um, and what is what is MVP of 13?
2: Something so, like that. He's 13 so, I mean, oh, yeah. you know,
1: um, when Fernando Gonzalez fought MVP, I think MVP had eight fights and Fernando was approaching 30, you know, so it's not, you know, I know that one was in California, but it's just kind of a weird, uh, uh, just random thing to kind of throw out there. And, you know, I guess, you know, you, if you think of it, you know, this isn't. You know, if you thought the guy was going to get squashed by Tony Lopez, that might be something different. But like you said, it seems like a weird thing. And and the out for me would have been, hey, two weeks ago he fought in bare knuckle boxing. We're not going to we're not going to get into that. He obviously took some brain trauma uh, getting punched by by a 270 pound Joey Beltran for five rounds. And that's our out. We're not going to create some crazy rule that that we're never going to hold. You know, if it was the big money bout of the night, they would have let that fight go through.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you need context. And I think you hit it on the head. You know, if they came out and said that, you know, this guy fights like 400 times a year, he's had four fights (laughs) this year already, like, we're not going to sanction him. Totally cool with that. I think that that makes sense when you're talking about fighter safety. But, you know, to say that you're you're erring on the side of caution for a guy, like you said, it would probably be a four or five to one favorite. It's just kind of, it, it almost makes me feel like a you're disinterested to even look into these people that are fighting. Or B, you just have rules that you, you you don't have any justification for. So I know again, like I said, it's not it's not the, the end all be all of the weekend. I'm sure a lot of people aren't gonna lose sleep because this fight's not gonna happen. But I just thought it was an interesting talking point, uh, you know, especially with a commission like the Mohegan tribe, which is, you know, for the most part, uh very highly thought of and, and Mike Mazzouli's the guy that, you know, Bellator brings out to to sanction all of the uh the events overseas. So yeah. I just I found it to be a, a kind of a different issue and something that was worth uh bringing up.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of a shame for Lopez real quick too because he's he's had yeah. like almost 90 <laughs> fights and I know it through his social media and stuff he's always questioned why he's never been able to get into a ufc or a bellator fight he's never he's yeah. never gotten to the the top shelf organization so yeah, that's
2: yeah. kind of and, that's and
1: the, definitely a disappointment and, for him and,
2: and the thing for people maybe that aren't familiar with him too is that you know he's a guy that even though he's 45 and he's had all these fights he still wins you know he, he had a bunch of wins last year he was on a, a pretty crazy win streak you know he had won like six out of seven or six in a row or something so he's not some bum he's still competitive and you know he fought satoshi ishii overseas this year uh, and, and, you know, he, he, he can, he's a guy you could pretty much throw against anyone and, you know, he's not going to like, you know, get injured, beat up too badly or anything. He's going to give a competitive fight and be a good test. So, uh, you know, hats off to him. Hopefully, you know, Bellator will come calling again for a fight. Maybe, uh, you know, in a couple months, maybe in California, somewhere closer to where you're at, Matt, but, uh, yeah, it's just a kind of, it's too bad all around.
1: Uh, that card also has a couple of big names, Logan Storley, uh, Mike Kimball, uh, Austin Vanderford, uh, Paige Van Zant's husband, and Eduardo Dante. So, um, but really, that's the kind of the appetizer for the, the big, huge show on Saturday night, yeah. uh, which is headlined by Paul Daly, Michael Page, MVP. Uh, quickly looking at it, so just to throw that out there, Michael Page is 13-0, and 0, and Paul Daly has 58 fights. So, yeah.
2: you I know. would love to hear the argument there. <laughs> you know. Should have had Paul Daly fight Tony Lopez. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: I guess if Paul Daly had a hundred fights, they wouldn't allow him to fight Michael Page, you know? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, but anyways, so that's the headliner, but you know, you kind of come up the card. The top three are, are really three big fights. Uh, the Roy Nelson, uh, fight now with, uh, Mirko Krokop was originally scheduled for Bellator 200 in London, uh, late cancellation. I can't recall exactly why I think Mirko suffered an injury. Yeah. Um, but we get to see that fight now. Mirko makes his Bellator debut, and uh, man, it could be a banger. <laughs> what do you think, Ed?
0: I mean, uh, this will be my first time watching Krokop fight live. So in that sense, I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of Jonesing as a fan just 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 to to be there. I mean, I I hate that uh, the only meet a day I'm not making because I'll be traveling to to Connecticut is uh, the one that he's going to be at, but um. Yeah, I mean uh the the I feel like the, both of these guys actually it's a good matchup because both of them could uh I, f- I feel like Krokop still has the power t- obviously to to scare folks not only scare folks but put folks away but Roy Nelson has got a chin on him. I mean he had his tooth knocked out by uh Derek Lewis at the at the event I was with when I met you in uh, Vegas. So um you know what, man, I'm just, I'm not even going to try to call it. I just want to see it happen. <laughs> I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, heavyweights are tough. And when you, when you start throwing in factors, uh, you know, you have two guys that have been around for so long, it's hard to tell, you know, if they're going to hit a point where they finally break, you know, we saw Nelson get knocked out uh, against Karitanov. Uh, you know, Crow cops looked a little bit better. So just with the ups and downs of a late stage heavyweight, it's so hard to predict fights. I mean, I have enough trouble picking heavyweights that are in their prime. Never mind, you know heavyweights that are uh, you know legends that are, that, that are in these legends fights that Bellator's that Bellator's putting on. That said, I have to say Mirko Krokop in these pictures I've seen of him recently, looks <laughs> absolutely humongous, yeah. uh, terrifying, like T.Rt. Mirko all over again. <laughs> I feel like I have to go with him based on that. Um, just because he looks so ridiculous. But we know that, that that's not always the way things work in MMA. And Roy is, you know, if, if you were going on looks and you bet on Roy Nelson's fight fights throughout his career, you'd probably have gotten a hell of a lot more wrong than right. So I'm going to go with uh, with Krokop, but I think Roy has a, a chance. I'm going to say Krokop uh, gets the, I'll say actually, I'm going to say a first-round knockout. I'm saying whoever wins is going to end in the first round.
0: mm. That's interesting. Just, I mean, just so that I'm not left, because I know I kind of left it with with no answer, but you know, my mind's still spinning a little bit. There is an edge for Nelson. Obviously, a lot of people forget that he's he's a submission guy. Uh, you know, he he's, he competed in grappling, so I I think if Nelson's smart and he gets him to the ground, he could probably submit Crow Cop. You know, with all 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 those muscles need a lot of air. You know what I mean? So Nelson could wait. You know, put his weight on him, wear him out, and and get a some get a tap out of him but uh, i mean crocop has, has had phenomenal takedown defense in his career so it's really hard to call but there's an edge for nelson there's an edge for nelson on, on the ground if he can get him there
1: yeah uh Krokop 9 and 0 in his last 9 fights obviously <laughs> and uh <laughs> uh obviously that's been in the Ryzen organization primarily um this is a rematch from UFC uh, 137 where Roy Nelson actually beat uh, Krokop. If I recall, he took him down, kind of held him down, side mounted him and then ended up TKOing uh, TKOing him in, in the third round. Um, that was a, that was after uh, two other losses to Shob and Mir though for Krokop. So mm. I feel like that was kind of when he was had lost a lot of confidence uh, in where he was at. If Mirko fights at all like he has in the last two or three years, I think he's going to mop up uh, Roy Nelson. I think his straight punches and his speed is going to be too much for Roy. Roy likes to really wing stuff and I think he leaves that straight shot right down the right down the pipe wide open and that's kind of always been Crow Cop's strike. Um, he's not one for winding up and really coming with a big haymaker. It's always a real laser, laser right hand or left hand right up the middle and I, I think that that's probably what happens. I don't know if Roy at this time in his career has enough to be able to beat Crow Cop on the ground. I think he can win a decision on the ground. I don't think he can finish him. Uh, kind of based off what I saw with Mitrione. I mean, I, I still think Crow Cop's probably better on the ground than, than Matt is. And, and Roy couldn't finish him down there. So I, I'm going to go with Crow Cop and, and call me a Homer again for the pride fighters and stuff. But I, I think Roy <laughs> is kind. I think Roy is one of those guys who's kind of just kind of come to the end of his career. And, mm. uh, I just, I think it's caught up with him. I think his strength and, every, and his yeah, I think maybe he's a punch slower or a, a click slower on all of his punches. And when you've kind of turned your career into being primarily a big striker, uh, once that goes, it goes. And I, I feel like that might be where we're at with Roy right now. So I'm gonna take Crocop by, uh, I'll take him by second round knockout. I think he'll uh I think he'll beat up Roy a little bit, hit him with a big punch, Roy will survive the first round, and then Krokop will hit him with a the kick or a punch that'll uh that'll turn his night down.
0: Did they uh they let elbows go there, right? In the Mohegan Sun? I don't know why I forgot that. I remember there was a point that they didn't let elbows go there, but I think they do now. Yeah, right? Bellator's yeah.
1: we're good with elbows there now. So yeah. that I don't mean I don't really think uh, too much of either of the guys really throwing a uh, lot of elbows. No, I'm just
0: they... thought because I remember when Krokop and I was thinking because I know Krokop, when he the whole thing when he transitioned from Pride to U, to the UFC, um like uh one of the, one of the criticism was that he wasn't used to uh fighting in the cage. But then when when he got that win back against um Gonzaga, it was, go. with, it was with elbows in the cage, and um so that that's where, where, that's why I asked about the elbows. I don't know why that just jumped in my head now, but the, that's why I asked. But um with uh this is a uh, the other heavyweight uh, to watch on this card is Minikov. Vitaly Minikov's return, um, with, and he's fighting Czech Congo. I think this is going to be the, whoever wins this gets to fight uh, Bader, no?
1: I That makes sense. I think that's what it was kind of was uh, promoted as initially when they brought back Mikanov. Um, I'm trying to think if off the top of my head if anybody else really makes sense. I guess it kind of maybe depends what Bader does. If he goes back down to light heavyweight for a fight, that might delay it and, and set something else up. But, uh, I mean, it should be the number one contender fight. This is another rematch, uh, from, I think it was Minkanoff's last fight in Bellator. Uh, and that might be wrong, but him and Congo had a really good back and forth, uh, fight where, where, uh, Minkanoff gassed out pretty badly in about the third round and Congo was kind of taking control of the fight towards the end and, and ended up losing, uh, I think a three rounds to two decisions. So I don't know yeah. Vitali's Vitaly's kind of the, a lot of people see him as the future and, and stuff, uh but Congo has been on a hell of a roll too. So, you know, I'm kind of going to take a buy on that one. I want to go with Vitaly because he's undefeated. I think it's a cool story. I think whenever you have a heavyweight that's undefeated, it, 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 it's kind of cool. And I'm not a big fan of Congo straight out the gate. Um, But uh, I think making if he's uh, we'll find out. I think if he's the real deal right here, I think we know he's good, but I think this is the fight where he's fighting a real seasoned Congo. Who's at the top of his confidence right now. And, I think depending on how this fight goes could really uh, tell us what road uh, uh
2: career is going to, is going to go down.
0: But, you know, uh I mean, uh, how, how do you like these heavyweights?
2: I like this fight a lot. I mean, Congo, his last couple, all of a sudden uh, pouring on the finishes here. We saw that in his last fight against Tim Johnson. Actually, I didn't see that fight at, I don't know if you were in the media room for that, but uh, you know, they were trying to stagger the scrum so that we could catch the fights and uh, then watch yeah. the, 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 the fights that we actually, uh, or we could, we could do the interviews and the fights and we actually missed that one. I, you know, had to catch it. Actually, I missed the replay like so many times that I had to catch it, you know, when I got back to the hotel. Um, that was in Long so Island, yeah. right? yeah That was the one in Long Island. Yeah. It's uh it's all a blur at this point, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, that was a wild weekend, but uh, anyways, yeah, about the matchup, I think, uh, you know, it's super exciting to finally see Vitaly Minnikov back in, bellator back in the united states um you know this is a kind of an intriguing fight as you know they have fought once before this is the rematch seeing be interesting to see how both of them you know have evolved uh for better or worse i think that minikov should take this fight i think Congo's always a tough outing for anyone he can make you know fights really ugly if he has to we've seen that you know, I've, I've sat through many a Congo fights where he has not put on the prettiest performance, but it's been effective and he's gone out there and won. So that's the name of the game here. You know, if Minikov starts slanging and banging with him, I'm sure uh, Congo's going to go back to that, you know, type of style. Uh, that said, I just think Minikov's so good, man. I just think he's, you know, I know he hasn't been fighting necessarily the level of competition that the Congo has, but he's still been fighting really damn tough guys over there in Russia. So yeah. i'm gonna go with minikov i'm gonna say that it does go the distance uh i think i'll say it's 29 28 i think congo you know maybe third round able to grab a hold of him get him down hold him a little bit but i think minikov's undefeated streak will continue and uh he'll be next in line for ryan bader
0: yeah i mean and that that uh, whoever wins if either guy wins that fight that'd be a nice fight to see get uh with bader but um the uh that that Congo fight, if I remember right, the, the, the Long Island thing, I think that was a first-round knockout. That's why it was so fast.
2: Yeah, it um, was like the first minute or something, wasn't
0: it? Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and uh, this is, uh, I mean, just really quick, well uh, the welterweight fight on 216, that's Eric Silva's Bellator debut um, against Yaroslav Amasov, a 20-0 uh, undefeated welterweight. So that's that should be a good fight, too. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on that one.
2: Yeah. I mean, Eric Silva always brings it. I mean, people had such high expectations for him and I get it. He didn't pan out. You know, you can, you can justify calling him a bit of a bust. Uh, Clearly, I'm sure he would even agree that his UFC career didn't necessarily go the way uh, that he had hoped. So that said, I think he always brings it. He's always in exciting fights. You know, somebody's going to go down, you know, he, 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 for what he lacks in skills, he at times makes up for in his heart. I mean, we saw the, the fight against Matt Brown. I don't know how many punches and kicks and knees he took and elbows in that fight but uh he's a guy that, that that comes to compete he comes to put on a show and uh amosov is a perfect foil for him i think uh 20 and oh out of the ukraine um not a whole lot known about him i know he looked really good in his last fight against gerald harris uh in his bellator debut um you know he also holds a win over roberto Soldic, who's the ksw champion who's a spectacular fighter uh both in terms of entertainment value and in skill So he's got some really legit wins. And I think this is a, you know, Eric Silva can make a statement by taking out, you know, being the one on somebody's 20 and one record. Or you can have, uh, you know, Amisov, a guy that nobody really knows in the States uh, outside of some hardcore Bellator fans and some hardcore international fans. Have him come in and beat a name like Eric Silva in in something that's probably going to be an exciting fight. So I think this is a killer fight. I think this could be the the sleeper like you said the sleeper fight and uh could you know if they had fight of the night in Bellator I think that this would be a good one to maybe put your money on if you were uh going for a prop bet there.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean uh we'll we'll uh, we'll close off a of Bellator but the only thing is uh I mean we'll close off Bellator so we could talk about the uh SPN card but the uh one thing I wanted to mention was uh uh and then since we have Matt um, cuz I know you and I have watched a lot of the prelims straight through Covering events here on the East Coast, and Matt sat in a lot, on a lot of Bellator events out in the West Coast. I feel like, uh, I mean, a lot of the prelims I've watched from Bellator when, and watching UFC ones on Fight Pass, I feel like Bellator always has like super exciting preliminary fights. If I had to compare the two, I mean, am I wrong in, in that in that uh, opinion? What do you guys think?
1: I think you're just getting. Um, I think exciting fights can be made when you kind of have on. Uh, un... oh, you know, guys that aren't seasoned necessarily. Yeah. Uh, they're not, be- you know, see so the little, you get kind of the, the old UFC thing where it's kind of just yeah. a sloppy fight. So you get some of that, you get a lot of finishes mm. because you get some mismatches too, based off That's of true. The yeah. video, where the shows are at. So
0: just because you know. Mike Kimball's finally on the, um, I'm noticing Mike Kimball's finally on the, one of the main cards here. And he was like a prelim guy that, that his finishes always made the, 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 the broadcast filler, you know what I mean? So, mm. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to get, I just thought I'd throw that out there and see what you guys thought.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I find them very very different, you know what I mean? I think they're two different models. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the UFC obviously uh their talent that they have on their prelims can be upped. Uh, I think that the, you know, we've seen time and time again fight of the nights go to the prelims. Uh, you, you know, conversely Bellator seems to uh you know have the model where they have a couple prelim yeah, fights for you know, guys on their actual roster, and then everybody else is uh, you know one-off contracts from the local scene or from uh, you know the surrounding areas. And I think what Matt said too, like you know, sometimes when you don't have these guys that are so seasoned, it provides these moments of just like things that you couldn't even think of. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean you know a little slip up in technique opens up for a spectacular finish that we wouldn't necessarily see in the UFC prelims. Um, you know, even, even like. You know, working for Flow Combat when I first started to have to do live coverage for their events, write the results articles, I remember being like, "Oh man, I have to watch you know pros that are <laughs> only have a few fights or whatever." And I can't tell you how many times I sat there and was like, "What the hell is that?" Like in a good way, I was just like, "You know, that was yeah. kind of awesome." Um, so th- I think that th- two different models, and I think that uh, you kind of got to judge them not necessarily with the same scale. So yeah. I-, I think they both have their place in MMA. You know what I mean? If we if we didn't yeah. have the Bellator prelims, you wouldn't have the UFC prelims. So, <laughs> Yeah, you need them both. You know
0: that that makes a good. You make a really good point that leads us into the to uh, to the UFC uh, this weekend because isn't isn't Crone Gracie making his debut this weekend on the on the prelims for that?
1: Yeah, but we didn't. Real quick, I'm going to cut you off. But we didn't do our page, daily page picks.
0: Oh we yeah, made, I we got, thought we did a big
1: one.
2: Uh, oh we yeah, got the, sorry.
1: <laughs> right no, I don't. Don't mean to cut you off. But, um, again, oh, thank you. So that, this I think I, I one figured one. out
2: why you just skipped over that. I think this is in in. <laughs> I think in Ed's itinerary for the weekend, he has written down in between the co-main event and main event, sneak out for Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> I think that's why. He's trying to beat everybody else there. <laughs> Pretend uh, like he saw the uh, main event. They yeah, just soaked him. on But jersey.
1: Uh, so, yeah. anyway. Yeah, anyways, so we got MVP. This is the Walter Waite Grand Prix winner of this fight uh, faces off against uh, Douglas Lima coming off his win uh, against Andre Korshkov. Um, yeah. I, 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 my personally, I, I think this could be a really good fight or it could be a really bad fight. I don't know if there's going to be much middle ground. Uh, if I were to really put a prediction out there, I would say Paige uses his distance kind of makes it a boring fight a little bit kind of like the, uh, Gonzalez fight and Paul Daly isn't as, uh, it it gets ahead of himself more than Fernando did and tries to get aggressive. And I think he catches one later in the fight being a five round fight. I can Hmm. see the fourth, fifth round rolling around and Daly being extremely frustrated, trying to come in and create a, a, a brawl, uh, page kind of sidestepping and, and just, just clocking him. So, Hmm. um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Paul Daly fan. He's one of my all-time favorite fighters to ever watch. And I would love to see him get the win here. Um, but I think Page advancing is better for the Walter White tournament. And I think he's just the more polished fighter. Um, and, and that's what I think is going to happen. I think Daly will get frustrated uh, with when Page doesn't want to turn it into a street brawl. And I think he'll walk into something that'll, that'll put his lights out.
2: Hmm. I think, could we see... The second coming of Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva with this fight. Could MVP be making things pretty? Could Paul Daly be the one to throw one-strike combos? I don't necessarily think so. I just thought I'd throw that out there because I think, you know, MVP, if we're talking about the two UFC headliners from last weekend, kind of has a similar thing, you know, with the one-strike combos, the dancing around, the the posing, the, the uh, you know, capoeira-type style at times. Um, so on paper, I mean – yeah, this could go one of two ways, and I think that there's really no middle ground here. I think we could either see, you know, a, an exciting striking match where MVP is finally challenged. He's finally got somebody in his grill. He finally gets hit. See how he reacts to that. Or we could see something similar to when MVP fought Fernando Gonzalez, where the guy's pressing forward, and M- MVP's putting on a Leoto Machida impression, uh, you know, in terms of game planning, just, you know, backpedaling, jabbing, hitting, landing a shot, circling out you know, just really frustrating Daly. I think that that was a good observation by Matt. Um, the fact that this is a five round fight. I don't know if that makes this, uh, you know, if, if that plays into somebody's hand over somebody else, I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember, you know, which one I, I think obviously Daly's had his, his five round fights. I don't know if, if MVP did on the regional scene at all or anything, but uh, you know, I think Daly might have a little bit of experience in that category. So uh, such a tough fight to call i'm i'm going to lean i'm going to say mvp wins i'm going to say it's a split decision and i'm going to be negative nancy negative nolan here and say that uh that this negative fight nolan. <laughs> this fight goes the distance and it, it frustrates some people to watch including paul daly
0: yeah i mean uh i i think he can i, I agree with that uh um mvp can can frustrate him by uh, scurrying about the cage and running away to avoid uh uh, engaging him in any type of uh, you know back and forth or trades, but um, I mean, I think we have to remember that. I mean, Matt, you just pointed out the uh the the record the experience between the two guys, not the a few minutes ago. So I think that's something that uh, um Daly's going to use to his advantage, and I, I I could see him uh if he doesn't if he doesn't catch I mean well. MVP is very, mo- I mean, he's very uh, slithery in there, so maybe he won't knock him out, but I could see him, I could see MVP losing a decision because of because of running away so much. So that's that's where I'm leaning to. I'm leaning I'm leaning towards daily winning, but um, maybe not with a finish, but definitely with a uh, by decision because of aggression and control and not so much significant strikes, but just because of aggression and control.
1: Maybe we'll get a super twist, and Daly will come shoot the takedown, takedown MVP. Show that he has no ground game and then John Fitch him for five rounds. <laughs>
0: hey, I-, I mean, if you submit him, <laughs> that, that'd be cool too. I wouldn't mind seeing a submission. You know me, I'm a jujitsu guy. I love seeing a submission. I'm actually excited for the other, for the 215 the D- Dantes. I'm pretty sure we'll see some nice jujitsu in that fight. But um,
2: and, and speaking of jujitsu, before we move along, I just want to bring up, and I'm not, hopefully I'm not boring people to death, but I, I want to bring up uh, something kind of a little, uh, something that I have a little bit of insight into, uh, similar to the Maori thing from the last. The last card, uh, on the prelims, you know, we were talking about uh, you just mentioned in the Bellator prelims, you're mentioning jujitsu. Uh, we have a fight, Vinicius de Jesus versus Rodolfo. Uh, oh, what's his name? I'm trying to get up my topology page here. Du-du-du-du-du. Uh, Rodolfo Barcelos. Um, Vinicius de Jesus is, is an underrated fighter here in New England, uh, mm-hmm. kind of slipped under the radar. The two guys that he's lost to in his career have crazy records, one of them was uh. You know Joaquin Buckley or Joaquin Buckley, who's in Bellator. Uh, the other one is uh, Jefferson Negrini, who U.S. fans probably don't know, but he's eleven and zero out of Brazil right now, a uh, top tier lightweight down uh, in South America. Uh, but the thing that's interesting about this fight is that uh, he's fighting a guy with a one and zero record. If we're talking about lopsided records, mm-hmm. uh, that's not where I'm going. Don't worry about that. But this guy is a third-degree black belt. Uh, he's only had one MMA fight, which was in 2018. Uh, I guess these two were scheduled on the amateur scene. But I want people to keep uh-huh. a, a close eye on this fight because I don't think it's a coincidence that Zeus is matched up with a 1-0 black belt, uh, you know, welterweight fighter. I think uh-huh. that originally, from what I had heard, this was supposed to be Dylan Dannis's slot on this card. Uh, ah, I
0: heard that he was sense.
2: scheduled to fight... In LA at the last card, at the Fedor versus uh, the, the Fedor versus um, Bader card, uh, they, they knew that they, with, the, with the McGregor incident happening, they knew that that probably wasn't going to happen. Uh, so they had then looked at putting him on this weekend on the 216 card, which happens to be this one. Uh, at the same time, they were also promoting De Jesus. They gave him an interview with MMA Junkie Radio, which I thought was, int- or MMA Junkie. Kind of unusual for a guy that's a one, you know, a one off fighter for Bellator. Uh, of course, what does he do? He calls out Dylan Dennis in the article. Mm. Um, so you can check that article out. But I had heard that Danis was in the works for that card. I had heard that De Jesus was in the works for that card. Uh, and I had heard, I had one source tell me that those two, uh, that there were at least discussions that those two were going to be matched up. Uh, I think the fact that he has this opponent now, uh, which was not his original opponent from what I had heard as well. Uh, You're talking
0: about Barcelos.
2: Correct. Barcelos uh, is a third degree Brazilian j- uh, jiu-jitsu black belt uh, with one, you know, one fight experience. So I think that this is potential for Bellator to set this well, fight so up again yeah. in the future. Um, mm-hmm. You know, De Jesus didn't have to change his camp at all or anything. Uh, you know, I can't again, I, I, I can't say for sure uh, that this is what? the case, but I did have somebody tell me that. And I think it's something that's worth uh, at least mulling around in your head because I think it's a matchup we could see.
0: Uh, the article you said is where?
2: The article with De Jesus is on MMA Junkie. Um, if you if you Google his name and Google News, uh, he doesn't have a ton of you know big publications that have done interviews okay. with him. Yeah. But uh, you know, again, like I said, I, I think that I wouldn't I wouldn't cla- you know I wouldn't publish a report on this. I, I I'm very careful with what I put out there. But I think yeah, this was a very strong rumor that I was hearing. I would, I would classify it as a rumor, and I think that we have uh, you know some other indications that this might have been accurate as well.
0: All right. Yeah, I made a note of it. That way, that way i have to to read it on my train ride over there. Yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. But um all right, so I guess we could uh uh Now into
2: cron Gracie. We'll yeah, go jujitsu. Now...
0: <laughs> yeah, Kron Gracie versus uh Alex Casares, which I I mean, come on. You know. <laughs> what are gonna... I I feel like that's uh I I don't I, don't, I mean, I'm I i do not want to be disrespectful, but come on. You I know, I don't
1: <laughs> I mean, I I think that uh Gracie might find out what it's like to get hit. Um, yeah. I don't, we, you know, we haven't really seen a whole lot of that in his, his previous fights and uh, Alex Harris. Isn't going to go down there and just lay down for him. So yeah. I, I think that it's, a, it's actually a pretty good first fight for Gracie. Yeah. Um, an interesting number. I heard great. If the, if the card holds as is the Kron Gracie fight will be the 5,000th fight in UFC history. So mm. kind of an interesting thing for a Gracie to be a part of that um, on a personal note for me, and it blows my mind that I've had a chance to see what I have. This will be my 50th live UFC event, and uh, the uh, the, ben- the Manny Bermudez Benito Lopez fight will be my 500th live UFC fight. So I, I mean, on a, it's just I, it blows my mind that I've had a chance to see what I have. But I just when I saw the 5,000 number, all of a sudden it dawned on me. Uh, there's a lot of fives and a lot of zeros uh, flashing uh, on, on a personal note for me. But I the card really shaped up when I when I purchase tickets for this. I wasn't really sure what we were going to kind of be seeing, Um, but you you know the the cancellation of UFC 233 opened the door for the Gracie uh, Caceres fight. Also, I believe that that uh, Andrea Lee had a fight canceled too last minute. I can't remember what event it was for. Uh, Maybe the Argentina card, and Mm -hmm. now she's fighting Ashley Lee Evans with or Ashley Evans Smith. I'm sorry, which is also a pretty damn good women's flyweight bout.
2: Uh, yeah. one that,
1: one that could put Andrea Lee really on the map if she can handle business there. Um, and then, and then the top part of the card, I mean, we, the Francisco Rivera, Aljamain Sterling is headlining the ESPN plus prelims. That's you a big J- one. From, Jimmy
0: Rivera.
1: I'm sorry. Who'd I say? Francisco. Rivera. Francisco? Yeah, no, I haven't, I don't remember him. Michael since.
0: Chiesa. Chiesa? Chiesa. Uh, Francisco
1: Rivera. He was, he was a <laughs> UFC fighter. Uh, but, uh, but yeah that's a big one on your part of the the map uh, yeah. here is is the two east coast weights.
0: oh yeah man i mean I, I gotta sound off on that right away not for nothing i mean i know i know uh i'll probably i mean I'll, I'll probably have to look over my shoulder here in jersey but i'm going for i'm going for sterling in that fight just because uh um i mean come on i mean well i mean there's a, there's six degrees of separation because uh i roll with a matt sarah black belt uh out here in jersey but um uh you know tiger shulman's uh rolls deep out here in jersey too so uh i mean uh, like i said but I'm, I'm going sterling in that fight
2: well you're a smart man ed but I'm, a, <laughs> I'm not agreeing with you on this one either uh i gotta go with jimmy rivera here i think sterling his last couple of fights uh he's looked great i have to give him credit for that i think uh that he could win this fight for sure um which was a concern for me because I guess him winning is not a concern for me, but I was concerned, uh, you know, prior to his last couple of fights that he was plateauing a little bit. I felt like even in his wins, we weren't seeing anything new from him. We were seeing the same thing. And then, you know, he he's had these couple of fights in a row where he's looked phenomenal. So I think this is a winnable fight for him. Uh, Rivera clearly needs to get back on track. I mean, uh, you know, he had the, he had the, I guess he won his last fight against John Dodson, but prior to that, he had got knocked up by Marius. Dodson fight wasn't phenomenal. It wasn't something that, uh, you know, threw him back in the title picture or anything. So I I would like to see either one of these guys make a statement, you know, the the 135 pound divisions clearing up a little bit with Marias beating a Sun Why not throw in another, uh, you know, throw your name into the hat, at least start inching towards that. So one of these, I think this is a phenomenal fight between two CFFC, former CFFC champions. And uh, I'm stoked to see it, man. I'm going to lean with Rivera by decision, but I think it will be close.
1: I think I picked against Sterling the last couple times. So I'm going to say, I learned my lesson this time and <laughs> say that he out hustles Jimmy Rivera in some scrambles and, and is able to uh, come out maybe a 29, 28 decision. So I'm going to go with that. Um, we talked about the Cron Gracie fight, the other top two uh, co-main in the main event, James Vick, Paul Felder. I think we could be in for a possible fight of the year candidate right here. Yeah, um, I've become a huge fan of Paul Felder as, as most fans of MMA have, based off of his guts and his wins and his losses, and uh, Vic uh, coming off of his just getting blasted by Justin Gagey. So I'll be curious to see how he – although he did come back, didn't he get knocked out heavily by uh, – uh, uh, Benil Darouche also put his lights out, so he rebounded mm-hmm. from that one nicely. So it's not necessarily a case of a guy getting his first big KO loss and coming back, but uh, I'm going to go with Felder. I think he's going to give up some size in this fight, but I, I think that he'll uh, again, kind of like Sterling. I think he'll out hustle him. I think he'll be the aggressor, and I think that he'll, uh, I think he'll win a decision. I think this will be one we'll be wishing was a five round fight when the when the final bell rings. Mm.
2: I'm going to go with Paul Felder in this fight, but I'm going to actually take him uh, inside the distance. I think he's going to knock James Vic out. Uh, I just think that the style matchup isn't particularly great for Vic. I think, obviously, like you said. He has the height advantage. He's a big dude. Um, But I think he hasn't always used that to his strengths. I mean, we saw that with the Gaethje fight. Uh, Like you said, the Darius fight. Those were two pretty brutal knockouts. And I think that those two fighters have kind of, uh, you know, maybe given other fighters an idea of of what you have to do against Vic. You know, be aggressive. Not, you know, let your hands go. Uh, I think that Felder is a really smart fighter. I mean, he's clearly a really tough dude after what we saw with uh, his last fight with Mike Perry. Uh, You know, fighting with the with the broken arm or hand or whatever it was. Um, So I'm going to go with him. I'm going to say he gets it done. I'll I'll, I'll give. uh, You know, I'm not going to say he's going to blow Vic out of the water or anything right off the bat, but I'm going to say second round knockout for Paul Felder.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I think we're all going for Paul Felder here. Only reason I think he's going to he can pull it off is because uh, you know he's been doing a lot of he's been doing a lot of commentary cage side. Uh, for a lot of fights and some there's something about when when you're an active fighter um that you 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 observe a lot of fights you pick up things i think it just makes your you more cerebral when you when you have to do your own output um you i mean you see it with the guys that that like daniel cormier calls fights and he went and calls fights and he fights and he wins and and um there's a couple of other fighters out there that do the same thing i mean if he would uh the best example was well, probably not the best example because he's always hurt but like Dominic Cruz I mean look look at how how well he fights and how many fights he's watched and called I think that just helps you your the mental aspect of of the fight game and um I think that's the new edge that that Felder has coming into a fight like this so I'm I'm going Felder too for that reason
1: That brings us to the big main event heavyweight showdown return of
0: Mexico <laughs> no sorry that was my <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tapology has a little American flag next to his name there, Ed. So you might have to take that yeah, up with uh, take that up with Nolan. But um, <laughs> 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 but Kane uh, C- Velasquez returns, uh, former King of the UFC heavyweight division, against Francis Ngannou, coming off of a uh, big knockout win over Curtis Blades in China. Oh man, uh, I think I probably know who you're going with, Ed. So why don't we start <laughs> with Nolan?
2: I will say that uh, Sherdog also has the American flag. So whatever happens, yeah, we're, we're, in, we're in this together. Um, but yeah, this is a tough fight to pick again. I mean, heavyweights, I've said it before. I've say, I'll have i say it again. Just seems like there's no rhyme or reason at times. Um, adding in Cain Velasquez's layoff here. It makes for a very confusing fight. I mean, even Francis and Ganu, there's a lot of questions. What kind of Francis and Ganu are we going to see? Are we going to see a Curtis Blades Francis and Ganu? We're going to see a Derek Lewis Francis and Um, You know, I'm, I'm hoping we never see a Derek Lewis Francis and Ganu ever again, <laughs> but I'm not ruling out the possibility. Uh, I'm going to go with Cain Velasquez in this fight. I feel like it's a bold pick on my part, um, but I, I, I thought. You know, I saw some people talking about it on Twitter today that they thought he didn't look partic- particularly great against Travis Brown. Kind of disagree with that. I thought that we saw a lot of new stuff out of him in that fight, even though he had had a layoff. Uh, he was throwing wheel kicks in, with precision, things like that. So, granted, it was against Travis Brown, but at the same time, I, I just got to go with him, man. I, I think Ngannou has shown mental lapses at times. I don't think that Cain Velasquez is one to, uh, you know, slip up in the, the fight IQ department. Uh, I, I think he's going to have a good game plan coming in. Hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully this extended period of time was just to make sure, uh, you know, all of his eyes were dotted and T's were crossed in terms of healing up. I'm going to go with him. I'm going to say he gets it done, uh, by third. Mm, this is tough. I don't even know how, how I'm, I'm going to say he gets it done by fourth round TKO. I think Nganu, uh, will see him gas. And I think unlike the steep fight, I think we'll see Kane be able to take advantage of him a little bit more on the ground and land some, some big uh, you know fight ending shots or uh, you know maybe one of those sequences where it's just so repetitive and, and you know laying on top of the guy who's tired that the referee waves it off. So I'll say fourth round TKO, Kane Velasquez.
1: Yeah, I'll take it now and then let you finish off with uh, your prediction. but I uh, oh, I feel like my brain's telling me Kane. my heart's telling me Nganu. I, I I just don't know where Kane's at, obviously physically. Uh, I, I'm not a huge Cain Velasquez fan, so just as a, from a fan's perspective, he's not somebody i have uh, usually rooted for, but I feel like a win for him is huge for the UFC. I think the UFC heavyweight division really needs him to come back and, and create the fights that could happen with Stipe and even Derek Lewis and, and uh, Volkov. I just think there's a whole lot out there for Cain, fresh fights that, that will really help the UFC uh, sell pay-per-views and, and just help help the UFC's heavyweight division, help the UFC heavyweight division, you know, worldwide. So I'm going to say Kane's going to win. I feel like we might know kind of early uh, if he comes in for a takedown and, and Nganu's able to not uh, to able to fight it off. I think that could change. And we could see a situation where Francis puts a, a punch on, on Kane's chin. Kane's uh, not somebody who's necessarily avoided strikes. So I, I think that, you know, Ningenu not one you want to uh, take one from you know, I know Ben Rothwell, those guys are Congor guys are big punchers, and mm-hmm. they all put some they all put some leather on Kane and Kane was able to take those. Uh kinda of falls into the JDS category where uh their first time uh Kane fought JDS. JDS really caught him kind of behind the year but really put him on it with a with a haymaker. I I see Kane if Kane's anything like we used to know I see him coming in I see him taking him down and I'll I'll say about a second round TKO on the ground. I think he's going to come in with the uh, I think he's going to come in violent. If he's healthy I think he's going to be a violent machine that's going to want to make a statement in his return. Yeah. So I'll take Kane I'll take either it's either going to be Ngannou in about 32nd knockout or we're going <laughs> to see Kane with a, with a TKO sometime between the second and say the fourth round.
0: Well that's um I mean that's pretty much that's pretty much the 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 way you can make it you can make your choice if you're watching it happening if 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 Ngannou, the longer it goes for ingo the 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 less likely it is he's gonna get any of these uh powerful knockouts that he's known for and and like um I think nolan just said uh Kane's a smart fighter too, so and you, the strategy you just laid out matt that's the one that he should do take him down, make him fatigued. And then just, just either beat him into submission or or submit him, you know? Um so uh I mean I'm I, I'm I'm not picking Kane just because of the Latino thing. I'm picking him because I think he's just I think he's just smarter, a smarter fighter than in Ghana. Like like uh, Nolan said, the mental lapses, I think it I think it has a lot to do with falling in love with your own hype and um looking for that sometimes knockout guys look for knockout so bad um you know they if they don't get it it it, it they start defeating themselves in the fight so that's where i'm uh, that's where i that's the real reason i'm picking kane it has nothing to do that he's a uh, mexican american like myself
1: <laughs> and i'll just throw this out there and stir the pot a little bit you know there has you know I'm not accusing him of of being a user, but we haven't seen a whole lot of Kane since the heavy drug testing uh, came into play. Uh, One of his, you know, the Travis Brown fight was a first one round fight. But prior to that, people really questioned his gas tank against uh, Fabricio Verdun, uh, where he lost his title. Just again, one of those kind of storylines. Sea
0: level. What's wrong with you?
1: Well, will sea level. <laughs> you know, P- picogram level. Yeah. Well, we, we'll uh, you know, again, I'm not accusing him. He's never failed a test, so I, I don't want to go down that trap. Trap, but you know, we don't necessarily know what his ga- uh, gas tank is uh, in the in the testing era. Let's just say that. So it'd be kind of interesting to see maybe where he's at in the fourth, even fifth round, if Ninganu's able to survive and and uh, find out if he's gasping for air and, and who knows? I mean, both it could, could get real sloppy if that's the case, but uh, I don't know. I just look forward to great weekend of fights. Uh, There's also Invict on Friday night, uh, legacy on Friday night. Uh, What do we got? We got a, we (laughs) got a one, one fighting card on, on the bleacher uh, was it bleacher report uh, streaming service uh, on Saturday morning. Cage Warriors event on Saturday, Pancrase on Saturday night. ACA. Yeah, there you go. The the.
2: Oh
0: yeah, and talking about CFFC, that's also on the 16th yeah, in Atlantic makes. City. So yeah, so it's like uh, wow. we ain't watching everything. So uh-huh.
1: <laughs> no, there's gonna be a lot of action on uh, yeah. though now. If uh, a lot through Fight Pass, and then this and. You know, just to rethrow this out there, this card is on the regular ESPN, so nobody has to subscribe to ESPN Plus unless you want to watch the prelims. Otherwise, the main card, the final six fights of the night, will all be on Big ESPN and everybody's basic uh, cable carrier. Uh, let's hope, gentlemen, we're not talking in the near future about the fight that didn't happen this weekend, so let's just uh, – that's if if, if say, we yeah. are, we
2: will have to refer right back to this exact clip right here. We'll know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, yeah, I'll take the blame for all the fights get canceled in MMA. But oh, good uh, Lord. Good <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to have to put me on a Matt, cross. not a black belt. That. <laughs> yeah. Next
2: scene, Tony Lopez is fighting uh, Sergey Karatanov.
1: <laughs> I think they actually fought. Oh, really? I think it'd oh, really? be, re- be a rematch. Uh, there you
2: go. They both fought everyone. <laughs>
1: But, uh, so yeah, ton of action, uh, have fun out in, uh, Connecticut gentlemen, do a, uh, Krispy Kreme cheers for me. And, uh, why don't you throw out your, uh, handles and, and all your information there, uh, Nolan?
2: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MMA underscore Kings, uh, on Instagram at Nolan King MMA. I'm trying to get that going. I'm also on Facebook. I have a, like a, you know, a like page where, Uh, You can see my posts from all my different sites uh, in one area. That is uh, also at Nolan King MMA, or I guess you can just Google, uh, Facebook search Nolan King MMA. Uh, In terms of upcoming stuff that I have uh, in the works, I'll be doing, uh, I'll be putting out a number, I think four written articles, written interviews for this weekend's cards. I talked to Toby Misich, John Duma, Mike Kimball, and Justin Sumter. Uh, then also I will be joining Jason Floyd, who is going to be at Mohegan sun. I didn't know. I feel like we, we never get to see him at events. He does a great job uh, with the MMA report. I'll be doing his podcast. I believe on Friday morning, uh, follow my coverage all weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll be, uh, like, like we talked about Bellator 215, 216 way in coverage, uh, video interviews for media day. I'll be doing some stuff with some fighters who aren't on the card as well. Uh, doing some one-on-ones with them that I've set up. So, Stay tuned with that. Uh, my YouTube channel. Sorry, this is the longest plug I've ever had. Uh, you can subscribe <laughs> uh, to my new YouTube channel, which is pinned on my Twitter account. Uh, that's where all my videos will go for this weekend. And other than that, uh, I look forward to seeing you again, Ed, in person. I think we'll have a good time. We'll, we'll have to work hard, play hard. And then, uh, Matt, it's always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely.
1: Thanks for joining us. Fans can always follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter, myself at MMAHawk21 on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Ed at Carbazal on Twitter and at Carbizal on Instagram. You can also follow Ed's videos and our podcast on YouTube at the Blogboard Jungle uh, page. Uh, so until next time, gentlemen, good talk and uh, let's have a hell of a weekend of MMA. Yes, sir
0: hey y'all east coast ed here if you'd like to support this podcast you can be a monthly supporter for as little as 99 cents a month this podcast will always be free but if you help matt and i out for future episodes supporters will be shouted out on the show and large supporters will be randomly selected to do predictions for a big pay-per-view event in the future so please Click the support tab and enjoy the show.